Hello, series regulars. It's me, Quay Tan. Oh my gosh, I just realized I don't have any pants on. Oh my God, I'm going to start over. <laughs> this interview that you're going to watch with Mahdi, I know him as Mahdi, but his name is pronounced Mahdi, and uh, it is a wide-ranging interview. We dive into his background as a uh, Navy veteran. We talk about his upbringing. We talk about how he got into, how he became successful as an actor and simply by relocating. There was a lot of other stuff he did, but one of the main things is him relocating from L.A. to uh, to Atlanta, going from a oversaturated market to a market that is smaller but has more opportunity. I think they call that a red ocean and a blue ocean. So... Also something that we touch on, and we filmed this interview back in the summer of 2023, I want to say like in July, I, I thought it was really important for all of my guests to talk about their background, and uh, Mahdi is Muslim, and I really wanted to honor the way you pronounce his name, Mahdi, and uh, we did talk a little bit about... Um, where his name comes from, and it, it's a it's a Muslim Islamic uh, name, and so you will see me very obnoxiously saying Mahdi, Mahdi, Mahdi. <laughs> um, but I did want to come on here and just let you know that I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I had no idea how how important honoring that part of his background would be at the time of filming it and obviously it's just so much more important now um but I didn't want y'all to think I was trying to be cute or try to be you know obnoxious or anything like that so we filmed this a long long time ago but it um it's a it was a special interview for me then but it's even more special you know to me now uh with everything that is going on um with you know Muslim people being persecuted in many places in the world, but specifically Palestine. So enjoy the interview, and I will see you soon. I'll see you on the regular, series regular. Hi, and welcome to series regular. I'm Quay Tan. In each episode of this show, we're going to sit down with a different working actor and discover the irregular ways they broke into the business. Our next guest is learning to wake surf. He loves a good baklava pastry, and he is a literal series regular. You can catch him in The Lovebirds as Keith, The Terminalist as Derek Olson, and his leading role of Tom in Tyler Perry's Bruh. It's Mahdi Kachi. Welcome to Series Regular, Mahdi. Thank you, Koi. How you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing well. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. Oh, great to be here. I mean, I'm happy to talk to you and you got, uh, I always have a great energy, so good, good to be around. Um, okay, so Mahdi, we get our title episode from the unique way our guest became an actor. What is the irregular way you broke into show business? Um, well, I mean, my, my journey was long. I initially started out, I um, I started modeling like my senior year of high school. That was like industry adjacent. So that was sort of my intro into the game. And then uh, it, it was a long time after that that I was finally started acting, but I kind of been bitten by the bug, if you will. I went to went to college and took some classes in college. It wasn't 
a super robust theater program where I went but at the University of Pittsburgh, but it was cool. And then um, I was I was in the Navy after that. Uh, I, w- I was, uh, and after I got off active duty, then I moved to LA to try to pursue acting. Um, and it took a while, <laughs> I was spinning my wheels for a while, but um, then eventually, I, um, you know, through going to class, I couldn't get an agent for the longest time and, you know, was going to class and then I was skipping class and stopped going to class and avoiding it. It was challenging. Um, and then eventually I, I, I dedicated myself, went back to class and um, kind of through that, I met somebody who became a good friend and mentor to me, Jimmy Gonzalez, who really kind of shared it. He was generous with information and um through a lot of his advice and tutelage, I was able to, I relocated, I moved to Atlanta and I uh, I got an agent and I started auditioning and eventually I booked a gig and eventually I was like, wow, this is, this is now real. Like somebody actually paid me money to be an actor on their show as opposed to all the pipe dream that I had for the longest time, you know? Yes. So Mahdi, that is exactly what I want to talk about. You relocating to Atlanta and having this, your career flourishing. Um, are you familiar with Josephine Baker? Um, I mean, I, some familiarity, I'm not, uh, I haven't, I haven't read or seen the movie. Um, yeah, I think that you and her share so much in common. I went to see her. Um, uh, she was a part of a, a black cinema exhibit um, at the Academy Museum him, here in Los Angeles. And yeah. the moment that I was there, I thought of you. Um, she relocated to France, and that's where her career blossomed. She was a veteran. She fought against uh, the Nazis in World War II. She used her celebrity to um, have passage for different sorts of uh, the people of the resistance to, um, you know, to be able to subvert the Nazi territories and things like that. Um, but I think one of the things that, um, that Josephine Baker says is that when she, about New York, because when she, she first moved to New York from her uh, little town in America, um, she said, New York never made her a star. That was Paris. New York made her a choir girl. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I say in the, in the great words of the uh, poet and philosopher of our generation, um, Beanie Siegel, uh, sometimes you got to go away to make a comeback. So sometimes that's what it takes. I love that. Okay. Uh, Before you say it's a wrap, by the way. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So let's start from the the very beginning. So you're from St. Paul, Minnesota. Yep. You know, born and raised, um, that's, that's the hometown. Yeah. Um, I know that you have a twin brother. I got to meet him, right? Well, yes. I mean, it, we, we claim twins, but that's, that, that's not all the way accurate though. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Cause you don't look that much alike. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's, it's but one you're... of those things. That it was kind of born out of, um, experience. Cause like we'd be plays and everyone'd be like, y'all twins. And we're like. Yeah, sure, sure. Go with that. <laughs> yeah, and you have um, your your you have a sister as well. I have two sisters. Yeah, you have two sisters. Okay, yeah, and um, I know. 
older and younger. Um, and I know that your name Mahdi um, is an Arabic name. Uh, you were named after the prophet um, al-Mahdi. I- imam, actually, but yes. Oh, in, imam. In, he's an imam in the in the Islamic religion, but um, yes, yes, that, uh, I, I respect that. You're, you're, you're familiar. Yeah, and uh, your last name, Kachi, is an Italian name. Yes, yes, my yeah. father's from Italy, so that's the... It's the origins. Um, I know you talked about when you were growing up that your mom went back to school to get her master's degree. Yeah, yeah. What did she What did she get that in? She got an MSW. That's a master's in social work. And oh. um, she's, uh, she's currently a, a social worker, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. Um, and she works overseas. She's um, She actually works in currently in Korea. And she's a social worker. There's a U.S. Uh, military, like an army base there. And she is, she's a civilian, but she works counseling uh, military personnel and, and family and other Department of Defense personnel. So, yeah, very proud oh, of Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. I'm actually, a, I, I practice Korean Buddhism, so I speak a little Korean. Wow. Right on. <laughs> I know you, I know you, you got languages on deck. I like that. <laughs> Um, okay, so I know that, or is, is this true? Your childhood friend, Will, encouraged you to be a model? Wow, you got to, I'll give you some respect, you do some research. Um, <laughs> that is true, actually. So this is like my best friend, and um, we grew up together since the fourth grade. We didn't start out as friends, we started out like kind of enemies, but you know how that, that goes. Um, but um, we lost touch for a couple of years around maybe like eighth grade or so we've gone to different high schools so maybe from like eighth grade until 10th grade we sort of didn't really see much of each other and then i remember i think it was 10th 11th grade maybe 11th grade i remember like he showed up to my house with another friend of mine like we had some mutual friends and then they they, they'd come over and as soon as he walked in the door he's like Dude, you look like a model. And I was like, ah, ah shut up, dude. You, you know how that is, youngster. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, that he was the first person that had ever actually told me that. And then um, it ended up being something that, uh, that, 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 that happened in a career. Yeah. And is it Will or one of your other friends who um, was related to a talent manager or model manager of some kind? Um. Well, what happened, there was... Um, there was a, fr- um, a friend of mine, one of my best friends also that went to high school with me. He worked, he worked this internship for the Timberwolves. And at the time, the Timberwolves, he was, he was an intern, but he worked for um, a guy called Michael Moore, who was the, what was his position? Like, head of player relations. It was like player relations was his position. So he did all this cool stuff, but he also managed talent. Like he managed um, uh, musical artists. I don't know if you're familiar with the musical group Next. And like, they made the song Too Close. That was like their their, their very famous hit. But either way, he was managing artists and, and was doing his thing. And once I met him, he was the first person that asked me about acting. He was like, oh, have you ever thought about acting? Because he was connected through, he used to bring talent in to, um, you know, for different NBA events, uh, they used to have this thing called the Back to School Jam, and he was working with like uh, uh, what's the cast director's name, um, Robbie Reed at the time, 
Um, so we worked with like Robbie and Andrea Reed, and he was asking me about acting, and I was like, oh, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I, I like movies. I don't know, you know. And uh, that was actually the person who encouraged me to start taking classes, and that's that was when I was in college. That's when I started taking the classes in college. Mm-hmm. But the but the modeling, I know that the your modeling career really took off your senior year of high school. Is what I've heard you say publicly. Yeah, well, seniors when I started, and then like right after I graduated, um, I had uh, I had a local agent in Minneapolis, and they sent Polaroids out to um, to New York. And then the is New that York select agent- models or brand talent? No, this was uh, this was back in the day. This was an agency called Boss Models. It's that but oh. back in the day, they used to be something, but you know, time <laughs> time has been a thing. But uh, yeah, that, that was the agency at the time. And then through that agency, they sent my Polaroids to Abercrombie. And then I got, next thing I know, and I didn't even know anything about it, I took these Polaroids and, you know, down to Hi, Series Regular. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear and see more, go to patreon.com backslash Series Regular to unlock full-length episodes Beauty, this is where I keep all of the tea, all the stuff that my guest would kill me if I made public. So go over to patreon.com backslash series regular for more. Now back to the show. And the opposite the agency, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Abercrombie wants to fly you out to do their campaign. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool. When at the time, again, before your day, but like Abercrombie used to be like, very prevalent in like pop culture, you know. Before like, my day, I know about <laughs> Abercrombie. <laughs> You've heard of it, but like not to the level of what it used to be. Like Abercrombie used to be sort of like define a generation, you know. Yeah. Like young kids, if you were in high school or college, like you wanted Abercrombie. Nowadays, it's like young high school kids, they want like designer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't like that back then though. It was it was like that. But um but that was that was a great opportunity. Um and it was because of the visibility campaign, it was kind of like a a very big thing at the time. Um, so I I had that, and that was right before I started college. So um, then that campaign actually dropped and came out when I was a freshman in college. And that was so. Uh, what were you going to say? I cut you off. Oh, I was going to say, and that was kind of like the uh, my big break, I guess you could say, for for starting in the in the modeling game. Wow. Okay. So I kind of want to go back a little, a little bit before college. Um, will you tell me what came, will you tell me what came first, the ROTC scholarship or this opportunity to model? So modeling came first. Um, yeah, modeling came first. And it's like I said, I had a New York agency through my Minneapolis agent that got me placed. And the New York agency was like, yo, like, we want you out here, move out here. Don't go to school, you know, like, or at least take some time off or find a school in New York. Like they didn't really care that much about school. <laughs> they just under, they just were like, hey, like you could provide us some value if you get out here to, to the city. Um, you know, that wasn't, education was always very, you know, stressed in my household. It was very important to, you know, growing up. So I was like, not going to college wasn't really an option, but at the same time, my family didn't have money. My mom didn't have money. so. It, it was like to figure out how to go to college was going to be a challenge either way, you know, financial aid or whatever it may be. Um, and 
ROTC was a weird thing. I mean, I wasn't familiar much with anything military. I mean, I, my grandfather, I think, served during World War II, but, you know, so a, brief, a, brief du- a brief tour of duty. Um, but being in Minnesota, too, there's no Navy, there's no coastline. I just You're landlocked. Out, yeah, completely landlocked. So I, I just filled out the cards. That, you know, they send you all that stuff when you're in high school. And I, I How old out, were you? Um, this would have been around like 16, I guess. Yeah. Like 16 is when I was like filling out the stuff. And then, um, you know, sure enough, the guy calls right back, you know, like the, 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 the Navy recruiters are on it. So as soon as I filled out the card and dropped it in the mail, like, boom, he hit me up and was like, Hey, you want to come down for an interview and this, that, and the other. And I was like, okay, might as well, you know, keep my options open was the philosophy at the time. And then, you know, got the application done, sent it in uh, through a lot of prodding from that recruiter. Uh, his name was Chief Sobrowski. He would call me weekly and be like, how's you doing on the application? I'd be like, oh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I hadn't even opened the package. Was just telling why, do you think, why do you think that was? Which part? That why was he that calling you? Up? No, no, no. That you didn't open the application. <laughs> uh, I think I have... Uh, an ailment called procrastination. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it rears its ugly head certain times in my life. And that was definitely one of the times. So I was, uh, you know, I was procrastinating on it. I was, yeah. I was a senior in high school at this time. This was like the beginning mm-hmm. of senior year. So every week he's calling, hey, how's the progress? And I'm like, oh, I'll make it a little bit. But I hadn't opened. I just figured I'll put it off to the last minute until I have to do it. Um, yeah. Then one day he calls me like, hey, I, I, um, I said, oh, it's almost done. He goes, okay, great. Actually, I can hand carry it in for you. I'm going to be driving in to uh, the Bureau of Naval, pers- uh, no, um, uh, Chief of Naval Education and Training, who's like the headquarters that decides who gets scholarships. He said, I can hand in your application personally. Well, I was like, okay. He goes, so I'm leaving tomorrow. I can drive by your school, save you a postage stamp, and just pick it up from you during the school day. I was like, Okay, it's like a Thursday night, so stayed up all night, finished the application. He came by the school the next day, picked it up, and that was the that was that. And then I forgot about it. I just sent it and forgot about it. And the day after I graduated high school, so at high school graduation, he's like, "Where are you going to college next year?" And I didn't know. I really didn't. I was like, uh, but "I don't know." And the day I graduated, the day after, I get in the mail, open up the mail, and was like congratulations, you've been awarded this Navy ROTC scholarship. So at that point, I looked at my mom, she looked at me, and was like, well, sounds like, uh, you know, something, something to consider. And so now I had a scholarship staring me in the face and, you know, I had a modeling agency wanting me to just not go. And I was like, well, I can't just shirk off something like that. I mean, this is four years full tuition. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. And that's why I ended up in Pittsburgh. Yes. So you get a four year full tuition ride, but there's something else a part of that. You also have to serve four years after graduate upon graduation. Yes. And so did you, were you able to, okay, before I ask that. Okay. Um, and when you're in college, when you're doing those four years, you have to train at a local base. Is that correct? Um, what the way that the way it works is it's connected to the school. So they have like an ROTC unit 
housed within the school. And the students who are part of the program, there's like, you know, you're doing all your regular college classes, but then you also have to do um, military classes, like a few credits per semester, like a class, basically like, it's about five credits a semester. There's like a class and like a naval lab, they call it. Um, you gotta wear your uniform once a week all around campus to all your classes. Um, and so you're not actually going to a real military base. Your training is done on the campus in uh, in the, the ROTC unit within the school. However, over the summers is when you owe time when you're serving real military um, for training. So okay. the, the summers in between, like between freshman and, and sophomore year, between sophomore, junior, junior, and senior, you're spending about a month with real Navy um, training and learning stuff, basically. Okay. Um, all right. So the, so upon you, okay. So you, you need money for college and the military, the military says, I have this scholarship for you and you end up having your career, your modeling career ends up taking off because of the Abercrombie ad that launches once you get into college because you, you already, you accept the ROTC scholarship. Did you ever think that you could have, or did you, did you say, damn, I could have just, I could have done modeling to pay for my college? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, the journey is a weird one, right? We take these little decisions and steps in our life essentially shape the course of our entire lives. And I mean, it was, it was somewhat that situation. Like I, but you also don't know what you don't know. So at the time when the Abercrombie first came out, I had these opportunities kind of coming to me, but I wasn't aware of the magnitude of what they really meant until hindsight, until hindsight, until I got, out of the service, moved to LA, kind of started modeling full time. And then I was like, oh, that stuff that was happening four or five years ago wasn't exactly, that just doesn't happen every day. You know, I remember like my agent called me like, hey, Calvin Klein himself wants to meet with you for the new campaign. And I was like, okay, sweet. And then he's like, okay, so he's, he wants to meet you tomorrow. It's like a Wednesday. He's calling me on a Wednesday. Like he wants to meet you tomorrow, Thursday. And I'm like, um, I'm, I'm in school. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm in school. Like, it's far. Like, I can't. And he's like, he's like, bro, like nobody turns down these opportunities. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not turning it down. I do it. But like, I just, it's the timing is weird right now. So he calls me back and he's like, okay, so they never do this. They never do this, but he's willing to meet with you on Friday instead of Thursday. And for me at the time, I'm like, that didn't change anything. But again, <laughs> it's mindset. Like, you know, I'm thinking like, I, bro, I'm still here. And, you know, it's crazy. The crazy thing is like, you know, now, I mean, I've, I took a mega bus for eight, eight hours to New Orleans for an audition, like mm. just the first, not even a callback for an audition and took a mega bus all the way back. Like, but this is my mindset now, as I understand like the magnitude of like what I want to do, you know, at the time I was just, it's like anything else, things come easy to you. So you don't appreciate them. Like, again, how did I book Abercrombie? I mean, I don't know. I was being a knucklehead, 
as in high school. My, my agency said, come down here. We're going to shoot some Polaroids. And it was like legit Polaroids back then, not digitals. Like on a Polaroid, mailed them off to, uh, to New York. And the next thing I know, like they're booking me flight information, going to New York, upstate, filming this Abercrombie campaign. You know, now when they're like, yo, you got to come here to meet Calvin and he might put you in the campaign. I'm like, well, why don't they just book me? Like, why don't they just book me a flight? I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really understand what that was all yeah. about. So, you know, yeah. hindsight is a lot, especially when I was trying to model full time after my Navy experience. I was like, damn, like I kind of tricked off a, a nice opportunity, <laughs> but that's, that's how it goes sometimes. You know what I mean? Like sometimes like we got to learn things a certain way. And, and had that happened, I would have had a different, completely different experience of life, you know? Last, well, I guess not last, but last question about this. Mm-hmm. Um, if, 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 if everything wasn't about money, right? Like if you could like just go to college, if you didn't need a hundred thousand dollars to pay for college, do you think you would have chosen a different path? Not forget, take modeling out of it. Like if it, I, is it fair? I guess this is my real question. Yes. Is it fair to dangle a scholarship in front of a 16 year old who doesn't have options and who, who needs to go to college to have a better life for himself? She's saying, is it fair for the military to do something like that? Is that just a question? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a legitimate question. I mean, I think that like, if we look at how the world is, you know, and I, we can get deep. I know we got limited time, I'm sure. But, you know, when we look at how the world is, everybody essentially has an agenda. And that agenda often includes other human beings. Now, how do you make other human beings kind of fall in line with your agenda? You got to dangle some kind of carrot. So if you're the military, what do I need? I need young people. Why? because they're still moldable. I can still create them into the soldier, sailor, leader that I want them to be. So I don't want, they don't want somebody 50 years old joining the military. It's like, you're already set in your ways. Like that's, that, that doesn't help us. We need somebody young, fresh, that we can create into what we want you to be. How do we do that? Well, <laughs> money's an incentive school scholarships and incentive. Like there's all these, you know what I mean? But this is the way it works. Like, again, everything is what it is. I mean, you look at sports is a similar thing. Like sports is a big business, a big industry. So mm-hmm. we're giving you some incentive to come to our school because that can help our school as a whole. But we're going to give you something too. Cause like we're trying to whatever, you know? So again, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's nefarious in nature, but yeah, it's they. Everybody has their own agenda and their own incentive. You know, part of part of what made me choose it. But you know, not this. Is, I'm not even disrespecting the military. This is just the reality. But what one thing that did help in my decision of the process? I didn't know anything about the military, but the way it works is you do your first year, and um, after your first year in school. If it's not working out for you, they'll say, okay, fine. They'll cut their losses and they'll let you walk away. So I was like, okay, so essentially I can get a free year. And if after my full freshman year, I'm like, this ain't it for me. I can back out and I don't owe time or money back to the military. 
that was kind of the determining factor for me because it was almost like a a free trial basis. I have a question. Do you think, I know because the military, they're very uniform and, uh, you know, you have to, everyone, you know, kind of does the same thing and you're very tidy and stuff. And I feel like acting can be messy. And do you think that like that maybe played into a way of what wasn't connecting those, that initial acting class? I, I think it's tough because I've had this question before and I don't like to put the blame on my military background, right? Because I don't want to say, oh, it's because of the military that I was like this. But I think that it's habits, right? So my habits throughout my life had brought me to a place where I behaved in a way that kind of like you said, if acting has to be messy, I think really it's like acting has to be vulnerable or it's not really worth Mm. much. And I had lived a life that I had made it like I'd become very adept at hiding my vulnerabilities right and that included in the military I'm not saying the military makes you be this way but mm-hmm. as a as a military officer you're thrust into a leadership position at a young age so I was like 21 years old in charge of a division of 30 men and women most of which were older than me. At least half of the people that I was in charge of were older than I was at the time. So, you know, you're kind of like, you don't really know much, but you're sort of a figurehead and, you know, you're in this managerial position. So I sort of, it's like developed this kind of way to fake it. Now, again, that's that's me though. Not like the military trains you to be that way. It's like, that was my coping. So way the way I coped was like I gotta I gotta put on this front like I got it all together like I'm a squared away guy, but I had developed that from a young age like having turmoil in the home and having to go to school act like everything is hunky dory at the house you know so yeah this was a this was a a personal thing for myself you know I can't blame it on the military but my way of being in the military was like oh I gotta put on this front like I am you know. I got this under control, even if I don't. So then now you're in the, in, in trying to open up this acting and it's not like we tune in to watch people hold it all together. We tune in to see people unravel and lose themselves. And that's what we can relate to. So we connect to it. But when you're too busy being cool or pretending that it's cool, it's cool. I'm cool. She's cool. They're cool. It's good. It's like, that's not interesting. And like, I, that was, sort of the way that I was living my life. So it's a lot of unlearning of habits. You know, I remember I had a teacher yeah. tell me this years ago and it was like, never quite made sense, but it's like, it makes sense to me more and more every day. And she goes, Madi, um, you, exactly what you're trying to hide from us as an audience is exactly what people are willing to pay to see. And mm. it was like, that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. same things that we want to shield and hide and I want to look icky and, and, and all this stuff. It's like, that's valuable. That is actually our talent in this work. But yeah, I mean, living a life to a certain point where that's not how you're, that's not rewarded. That's not sort of, or at least, you know, I, I didn't perceive that as being met with reward and I didn't want to feel certain things from, Peers. I wanted to project an image of 
you know, whatever. So, yeah, it was uh, it was tough. It was tough, and it, it it manifested into having a hard time in acting class. <laughs> acting class. Uh, you said something really beautiful. You said that if acting is invulnerable, it's not worth worth much. And it reminds me of this quote. The cinema is truth at 24 frames per second by Jean-Luc Godard. Godard. Yeah. That's it. You quote, love that quote. You lo- that's, that's, I, I got that, that from something you said in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I got to hand it to you, Quay. You did some serious research. You're like, you're good. You're yes, good. You're yes, good. I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, Joseph, where, what time is it? One thirteen. Okay, uh, Joe um, Mahdi. I want to talk about. Um, okay, so I know you had issues with that with that acting class. Um, what was it like um, when you were in LA? Before we get to uh, what happens next, but what was it like in LA? Were you able to get a talent agent to represent you for acting? Were you able to book acting work in Los Angeles? No, I wasn't able to do either of the two. Other of those, yeah. But you did have the modeling agency still. Correct, correct. Yeah. So let's get into the thick of it. So I know that um, you started going to Dana Castle's Imagined Life acting yeah. class, and that is where you found support. Yeah, yeah. So I went to the Imagined Life of Diana Castle. I, my teacher wasn't actually Diana. It was um, Her name was Feline England, but uh, that was... I felt like for the first time I found a way of working that I could get behind and I could believe in, like, if I keep working this way, I can get better. So that's a big thing because before I'm work, I'm spending money, I'm going to class. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's up and down. And I really didn't know that I'm getting better, but the way mm-hmm. in working in the imagined life, I felt like this can yield improvement. And that's what I was desperate for at that point. So, but the thing about imagined life and I'm happy that it was really beneficial for your acting process, but it ended up connecting you through someone you met in the class, connected you to Jimmy Gonzalez and that helps your career, which I am more focused on. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. You got to find a way. So yes, Jimmy Gonzalez so, is the sole most responsible person for me having a career. It's not the Imagine Life. I mean, shouts out to the Imagine Life for like helping me work in a way I feel like I could improve. But meeting Jimmy is how I was able to like break into the game where like I started making money and not just spending money on class. <laughs> so let's get into that. So uh, Jimmy Gonzalez needed a reader and you were you served as a reader for him. Yeah, yeah. So he had just moved because he had built a, a really nice career for himself, a bunch of credits, um, split time between New Orleans and Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. So he moved to L.A. and a friend of mine in my acting class, actually, I mean, a, a classmate. We weren't even super friends at the time. We kind of got closer, but um, she introduced me to him. She was like, hey, he needs people to read with. Are you willing? I was like, yeah, for sure. Give my number. It's all good. And um mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was right. He was a cool dude, and he was, he was, he was. Hi, Series Regular. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear and see more, go to patreon.com backslash Series Regular to unlock full length episodes. 
cutie. This is where I keep all of the tea, all the stuff that my guest would kill me if I made public. So go over to patreon.com backslash series regular for more. Now back to the show. Again, he was just very generous with information. He was telling me a story and he was like, if you ever want to know more, just hit me up. He wasn't um, stingy at all. And I was, uh, I was thirsty. I was starving for information because I was, at this point, I was chomping at the bit to try to get in the game, especially because now I believed in the way I was working at least a little bit to where I'm like, okay, now I'm at a point where I'm not going to embarrass myself. You know, Mm -hmm. like for the longest time I was like, I'm scared to like try to meet industry professionals because like they're going to laugh me out of the room. Like that was my confidence or lack of at the time. But once I started feeling like I was getting better and I'm like, okay, I want to at least see what's up. But then I didn't know how to do that. And Jimmy kind of held my hand (laughs) through that process. So a lot of people think of networking as you have to meet someone who's a producer or a casting director and they kind of look at actors as like the competition. Um, but you, you networked, um, with people in your peer group. I think that that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess, I mean, I'm sure it all has value, but I, I, I just, you know, we go back to what I said about, you know, the, the summer I spent with the, with the real military after my freshman year, it's like you talk to people who have actually, you know, walked a path that you're trying to walk. And if they're, if they're willing to share, it can be, it can be invaluable information. So what did Jimmy share with you about working in the Southeast market? Well, the first thing that he was just telling me how much work there was, he was telling me like how much he was auditioning. And that was, kind of crazy to me. He's just like, yeah, I was auditioning like five times a week and all my friends in New York and LA were auditioning like once a month. And I'm like, that sounded a little too familiar, you know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, it'd be a lot of smaller parts, but again, that's how you build. That's still professional work. It's everything. So it just sounded very intriguing to me, um, just getting that many opportunities. And, uh, you know, so he, he, he shared that with me. So I ended up following his advice and, and, and moving. And then shortly after I moved, he ended up booking something that was filming in Atlanta. So he was mm-hmm. in Atlanta, even though he lived in L.A. And when he was in Atlanta, he I would tape with him. I would drive maybe over an hour to where he was staying compared to where I was staying. And, you know, maybe I had a one line audition or a couple of lines or whatever it was. But I would drive and like, you know, if he was free, he would give me his time and he would take me and he would like really coach me through it, you know? Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. And again, it wasn't, he's kind of a tough guy. So his, his coaching would be, yeah, it's a, it's a little harsh, <laughs> but I had to swallow my, <laughs> swallow my pride and just be like, he's not trying to make me feel bad. He's actually trying to like teach me something. So let me just be in receive mode and not trying to defend and, hide my insecurities, let me just listen. And through working with him, so besides telling me about the opportunity, then he was coaching through a bunch of auditions. And like, through that, I would learn like, okay, here's kind of how you do it. Here's Mm -hmm. how I do it in a way that's more effective to the storytelling. Um, And that that was great because then I was able to like, 
after a lot of practice, because I got a lot of auditions, eventually I was able to like book. And it's like, oh, okay, so there is there is something to this. Like there is, you know, I, I still remember being in LA and like going to some audition technique classes and they were like, oh yeah, you know, like co-stars, that's just a look. Co-stars just a look, but like, you know, we're gonna do like series regular and like major recurring guest star auditions in this class and all this kind of stuff. And then I actually started auditioning for co-stars. I'm like, it's not a freaking look. It's like, it's craft, it's skill, it's understanding like where you fit into the story. But like, that was, these are things that Jimmy taught me, like how to do that. And like developing those skills, eventually I was able to start booking some things. That was nice. So <laughs> that is amazing. So uh, the legend goes, Jimmy Gonzalez got 30 credits in three years. Is that correct? Yeah, that was, I think that's what he was, that was what kind of drew my uh, eyebrows to raise. Like, cause I think that's what he was saying. I'm like, mm-hmm. cause I'm like, and even the 30- semi-working actors I knew weren't doing that in LA. And so these credits that he got, he got from the Southeast and that encompasses what states, what regions? Um, I mean, so he was living in, um, he was, he was living in New Orleans and Atlanta. He was kind of like back and forth between mm-hmm. the two. And at the time, Louisiana had the tax credits, so did Georgia. So those are two major ones. Uh, the Carolinas are also included in the Southeast. Um, Florida? Florida's part of the Southeast, Alabama. Like, I don't know who all has the tax credits, right? Which that's what really okay. makes go there. But yeah. these are all, uh, you know, states that are considered within the Southeast marketplace. And so let's talk about those tax credits. So what what you're doing is when you move and when you work in these places, you're considered a local hire. Yes. And so if you're a local hire, that allow does that allow the production company to qualify the requirements they need to fulfill the tax bracket if they hire people locally? My understanding is yes. I don't want to claim to be an expert on the, the full tax codes or whatever, but my <laughs> understanding was yes, like... You, you got a degree in economics. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never used, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to go review some of my textbooks. But um, but yeah, like so so I I believe that there's a certain quota of like local jobs that you must provide to get these tax credits. And that's like cast and crew and and everybody kind of for these mm-hmm. local hires. Um, and and if not if you're auditioning for a co-star role, the production company wouldn't want to fly someone out from Los Angeles or New York to do one day of work, would they? I mean, I, I don't know, but it would save them money if they didn't, you know, and that was kind of part yeah. of my thought process. I'm like, well, if I can provide some incentive to hire me, maybe I can get hired. You know, I've never yeah. been hired. I've got zero credits. So if I'm in a market where they're already filming <clears throat> and it saves them a plane ticket and a hotel and a whatever for getting actors from one of these major markets, that might help me. You know, so all of this yeah. at the time was like, I was just hoping because I needed something. Again, I needed something to get in the game. And this it seemed like a very viable option, especially with all the information Jimmy had shared with me. So, um, you, um, when you hear this, I know that you had, uh, you didn't move right away when he told you this. Um, 
but you, you, a friend of yours, um, their mother had passed away. Is that correct? And you attended a funeral in Atlanta and you set up talent agency meetings while you were there. Yeah, exactly right. And when you uh, went to those talent agencies, you, of course you had been to talent agencies in LA, no one would sign you, but when you went to those talent agencies while you were just visiting, what happened? So um, I had two meetings. Um, one was really just with a modeling agency, but they had a talent division. So I was like, okay, that could be an in. And then the other one was with talent agent, um, with actually like the commercial agent at that acting agency. And that was also, that could be an in because I've done commercials. I've, you know, done a decent amount of commercials. So maybe I have something that, to incentivize them listening to me or work, or work with me. Um, but uh, yeah, so then they're both interested and the, you know, I was obviously more so interested in the one that I felt like was more like of an acting agent. Um, Cause that's what I wanted to do at this point. And yeah, so that was, it was already kind of, you know, there's a guy calling back and he was like, Hey, we're, you know, I talked to the owner, the main, you know, talent agent and, and he'd be interested, but you'd have to move to Atlanta. And I was like, well, I, I, I will. I mean, I'm not, not opposed to the idea. And, um, you know, so that was, I was like, when do you think it would make sense to move? And he kind of gave me a, a ballpark time frame. He was like, whatever, it doesn't really matter, you know, um, and then a couple weeks later, like that guy that I had met with the commercial agent was no longer working with that agency. So I was kind of back in no man's land, you know? Um, so then it was like, you know, Jimmy was like, well, you might want to follow up with him because you don't even know the main talent agent at that agency. That's not who mm. you met with. You might want to follow up with the guy that you met with. Um, so I did. He was like, well, I'm no longer there, but we'll see what happens. I'll see where I land. And then he ended up at a different agency and mm. he got me a meeting there. So when I moved to the town, I met with that different agency and that yeah. became my agent. They were, you know, they were interested. The owner sat in the meeting with me and was like, Oh, you know, and I went in, I kind of, I kind of fronted a little bit. I was like, you know, I got, I got a lot of meetings going on this week and they were the only meeting. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, I really love that. I, I think that people need to understand that, like, not only are we making moves as actors, but the agents and managers are making moves, you know, they will also advance and they can take, we can rise together. Um, yeah. okay. So, <clears throat> so you're, so you're there. And here's the thing that I just love about this. Nothing has changed about you. Uh, meaning that the person, the actor you were in LA is the same actor that you are in Atlanta. The thing is opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the first role you book is dynasty. Um, the new dynasty that uh, re reboot that's on, that was on CW. You play the uh, police officer. Oh. And you, you get some other roles, but I think what's even more impressive is that you're able to take this, um, moving to Atlanta, which is seen as like a smaller market. Um, but you're able to go from building these co-stars to exactly what you said, becoming a series regular. Yeah. Building off of them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it I don't know. Like there was something about the mysticism surrounding like how to get from point A to point B in LA that I never could quite 
figure out or navigate, you know, like if point A is like, I'm sitting here watching TV and point B is I'm on TV. It's like how to get, connect those dots just seemed very out of reach for me in LA, but it kind of just made a lot more sense in Atlanta. It was like, okay, well, first you got to get an agent and then you get a lot of auditions and you're doing a lot. You get better at it. And then through getting better at it, you book some things, you get a few credits, then you can get some bigger credits. You get invited to audition for some bigger parts. And, you know, it, it kind of, it just felt a little more duplicatable of a process, you know? Like I had a friend in LA that like, his first thing he ever booked was, um, you know, he had an audition for a pilot and ended up booking a series regular on a pilot. And like, then they're getting picked up for four years. And it's awesome. It's like fantastic. But like, I wasn't able to duplicate that, you know, like, I don't know. I, and I still don't know how to, do, I don't know how to do that. You know, like I can more so explain how to brick by brick build to a point where you can, you know, advance, but I don't know how to book your first audition as a series regular. I, if you know, you can tell me, you know, like, what time is it? 133. Okay, good. Okay. Um, so I, so I was speaking to a source of mine who knows about the, the industry and something that, uh, this source was telling me is that, um, what you used to have to do when you were a local hire, like if I wanted, I, I'm a, anyone could be a local hire, I'm a local hire to LA, but that doesn't really mean what it means to someone living in a, in a different market. Um, yeah. But if I want to be a local hire to Atlanta, what I would used to have to do is I would have to get, like you said, on a mega bus or find my own transport to go down there to audition. And uh, they may want to hire me. They may not want to hire me. It, it's just be like a regular audition. But now because of self-tapes, um, more people are able to be a local hire. Have you heard about this or run into this? People kind of like working in your market? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like I've, I've been on sets with people who have booked, um, you know, even some co-stars. And they're living in. LA or wherever and then they're in town and they're staying with a relative, friend, Airbnb, whatever they're doing. And mm -hmm. hey man, I, I respect the hustle. We gotta, as long as we gotta do what we gotta do to get in the game here. Yeah, so it's so, it you don't have to necessarily move in order to like follow the path that you've done because things have changed. Yeah, I mean, you know, agents don't love it, so mm -hmm. Be aware of that if, if, if for, for, you know, giving advice to those trying to attempt it. Like, if you want to tell your agent, you want to get an agent in the Southeast and you want to tell them, hey, I still live in L.A., but I just want you to get me local higher auditions. It's like they may not love that. So that might not be the the best step in your path, you know, but uh, I don't know. You can somehow convince them that you are going to move to Atlanta or you have already. That might be a better option because a lot of agents, same with L.A., right? It's like I can be, hey, I'm a local hire to L.A. Just like give me L.A. auditions. But it's like if you're not in L.A., like they might still not necessarily love that. Feel me? Okay. I mean, you can always, you know, <laughs> massage the truth. That's Hey, listen, that, that's what I support. I'm I am I am not a stickler on none of that. I'm like. Whatever you can do. That's why I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you ahead of time. If you're thinking about telling your Atlanta agent that you ain't in Atlanta, but you want them to rep you, they you just giving them a reason to say, ah, no thanks. You know what I'm saying? But 
Yeah. Right? You know, maybe tell them you're in Atlanta and then just figure it out if you got to get to Atlanta. So I have another question. Um, something that my source was telling me was that, um, and I, I don't, you may be privy to this, you may not be, uh, but for um, rep- representatives, um, Georgia, Georgia representative, I mean, Georgia casting offices or these Southeast casting offices will say for these local higher roles, they'll tell Breakdown Express not to send them to the LA and New York markets. They want to be protected they want to be protective and truly not just keep it for the actors that actually live there, but not share them with people who uh, other type of actors. I guess I don't know. That makes sense to me. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. It's like if you're going to be, you know, what they call local casting. I mean, you want to kind of protect your own marketplace because um, if they're casting everything out of the major markets, then the local casting, they have a financial incentive to, to be casting local talent. Because otherwise, if I'm getting them from L.A., like, why didn't just the, the, the main casting out of L.A. just cast the whole project? You know what I mean? So if they're hiring mm. a casting, then your job is to fill in usually some of these, you know, co-stars and, and, and not the main lead roles, maybe. Um, did you just say what I... Th- did you just say what I think you did? You were saying that um, there, w- if <laughs> if it's a global casting, there would be no need for the Atlanta casting director. So the yeah, the Atlanta for the Atlanta casting director to be able to be profitable and protect their own business, it behooves them to hide it from the other markets. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, because yes. if I'm telling you. I'm telling a production, like, how am I selling myself? And this is part of understanding how the business works. It's like, if I'm selling a production, like, yo, I can fill all these roles with local talent. That means mm-hmm. I'm saving the money. That means if there is some type of quota for the tax co- codes, I'm helping you fill that quota because you're hiring local. Yeah. So hire me because I am the casting who had, who's the liaison to all this local talent. And I'm telling you, they're good enough. And I got I got the end with them. So um, when you audition for Bruh, you actually fly out to L.A. twice to audition for a show that shoots in Atlanta and whose production company and studio is in Atlanta. That's absolutely correct. Yep. So they were looking for Los Were they looking for Los Angeles or global talent or talent from all it over? It was a wide, it was, I guess you could say they cast the wide net, you know, mm-hmm. so there were, when they were looking for the leads for the show, um, the series regulars for Bra, they auditioned people out of LA through Kim Coleman, they auditioned people out of Atlanta through Raven Drummer, and other places too, I don't know who, what casting or whatever, but like, I think they auditioned people in like New York, Canada. Like, I don't even know. Maybe these people in New York or Canada got the audition through LA. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. all I know is that the callback, like, people were from a lot of places. I mean, obviously, the majority were from LA. I think that's part of why they did it in LA. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was like, you know, there was a handful of, uh, of folks that were flown out from Atlanta to audition at this callback in LA. Were there a lot, but were there a lot of Atlanta people? No, I mean, not a lot. I mean, there were, it was the majority LA, majority were LA. LA. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
So did you, so this, so being in Atlanta, did it necessarily serve you for this? Cause something that my source was telling me is that working in these local markets is great for the co-star roles and even some of the guest star roles, but not so much the series regulars. Um, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I think the market is growing um, mm-hmm. again and because of self tapes and because of a lot of things, um, there are a lot of actors from L.A., New York, who've actually even moved to Atlanta. So there's a lot of very capable actors in the Atlanta marketplace. Um, so you'll see more projects are opening up the release of the series regulars to the Southeast as well, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 more than it used to be, but I I do think there's still an industry standard that is like, LA is it? I mean, because hey, Hollywood is still Hollywood. I mean, that didn't go change, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we're not we're not like reinventing the wheel here. I mean, you still assume if you need some talent, you go to LA. I mean, I I understand that thought process, but I would say that there are still some some. There, there, there's a, there are some, a lot more series regular are being released to the Southeast casting than used to be. That's for sure. You know? okay. oh, but back, so, back to your question, if it benefited me or, or, or hindered me, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I think that like in that, in the, in the, in the TP world, I don't think they're doing the same, uh, they don't have the same prejudice, I don't think. Do you know, like yeah. a lot of the industry, there's a prejudice that exists, which is like, well, you know, if you're good, you'd be in LA. You know, I think that that exists. I, I don't hmm. think that. I didn't know that. I don't think that TP does that. Of course, of course not. Looking, you know what I mean? I don't even mean TP himself. I mean him, obviously, but like right. everyone in the production is like, that's not how they operate because. Oh, yeah. Look, TP shows from all the parts, like people are cast from all over the leads, For sure. guest stars, the co-stars. It's like, they're kind of like, we just want talent and like wherever the talent yeah. is, like, we'll figure it out, which is cool. I mean, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do I, do I have this right that you were pinned for, uh, for the role for, uh, for one of the roles in Bruh and then you had to re-audition? <laughs> yeah. I would fight somebody. <laughs> I mean, when is... you're just freaking wanting, uh, you know, a, a chance, like, you know, rather than fighting, it's like you're just you're just happy to still be alive, you know. So <laughs> were you pinned for were you pinned for Bill and then re-auditioned for Tom or what? What, what was this? Well, here's what was weird about it, is like. I auditioned. The first callback was Bill. I went mm-hmm. for Bill for the first callback. But in the initial casting, I auditioned for three of the four leads. I auditioned for John, Bill, and Tom. Mm-hmm. Only one I didn't audition for was Mike. So I auditioned for the three to four main male roles. Then um, at the callback, I found out I got a callback. I'm like, okay, for which part? My agent was like, not sure. We'll get back to you. You know. And then found out it was Bill. So I was like, cool. So I read for Bill. And um, after that, I was pinned. 
So I don't even know that I was pinned for Bill exactly, but I was pinned after doing the callback as Bill. That's what I know. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when you're pinned, they either cast you in the role or they release the pin. They do not play with your emotions and tell you to audition again. <laughs> I mean, guys, I don't know what they do. I just know, like, at that point, I was, like, trying to stay alive. Trying to stay alive. I would be, I would be crying. Oh, 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 but I'm happy that I'm happy that you did it. I would have wiped the tears away and did the audition again anyway, but I'm really happy that you did it and you, and you made it. And now I know that you, you've said that because of Mr. Perry, you're able to, you know, to make a living off of just doing what you love. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, um, I guess transition to like be at that point where like I know how long and how just much ups and downs it took to get there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's uh yeah, something I'm very grateful for. Absolutely. What time is it? One forty eight. Okay. Uh, we're wrapping up. <clears throat> okay. So you've Mahdi, you've done it. You are a series regular. You have had, um, you've built all these credits. You've moved to the Southeast. You've worked at Market. Is it time to move back to LA? That is a great, great question, Quay. And you know what? Um, Let's just say this. It's not something I'm opposed to. It's absolutely not something I'm opposed to. It is... It may possibly be like a natural progression, but kind of like you said, with this, since COVID, everything even in LA is kind of taped these days. So now we can all sort of be anywhere. You know, we can all sort of be anywhere. Um, LA is a great place to be, as you obviously know. I mean, I lived there 10 years. Um, But We'll see, I guess. Right. We'll see. I mean, the bottom line is um, I'm open to it. I don't have anything precluding that as as an opportunity. Um, You know, ideally, well, what would I love? I would love to be filming something in L.A., you know, like like, and that's kind of the thing. Right. It's like I want to be. I don't want to move back to LA just to like knock on doors. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I want to be like in the game. And then, and gratefully, like now I've, I've built myself a career that like I have some viability in the marketplace. Like I've, I've since have booked some things in LA and just like traveled in to do them. Um, and that's, what's kind of great is like moving away to Atlanta. And I built enough credits, a little career, get some auditions can book some things, go to LA film, even though I don't live there. And then when I lived there, I would have never even had the auditions for those projects, you know? So it's kind of, it's just an interesting thing to see everything all unfold. But, you know, if there was a, a, a show, for example, that, you know, filmed five, six months a year in LA, <laughs> am I happy about that? Oh, I'm elated. <laughs> okay. Um, final questions are, um, is there any question that I asked you that you hated? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I got, like I said, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to share. So, 
you know, I I I I feel like am I sometimes over talking? Like I don't know, but I'll let you cut me off. So, um, you're very you're very kind. Um, what um is uh, can you share? Because I uh, Napoleon Hill talks about um, learning from our our leaders' mistakes, the people we look up to. So uh, what what has been one of your biggest mistakes that you'd like to share with us and then one of your biggest successes? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say, I guess for mistakes, it's like you don't have to have it all together to get in the game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I do think that a certain degree of confidence is going to, is going to, serve you but I think I sort of felt like I gotta get you know to a certain level of proficiency before I even want to try to enter the game excuse me now I don't know that that's what I've discovered is that learning as you go is how I've learned the most so auditioning was how I learned to audition. It wasn't taking an audition technique class in LA four years before I even was doing any auditions. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking in my head, like, oh, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to learn, 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 learn. So when it's time to play, I've already kind of trained this way, right? I'm like thinking like training, 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 which again, training, absolutely. Training is very important. Stick to the training. But you don't have to like learn every freaking thing there is to learn before you get in the game because the game is going to teach you a lot. So that's mm. what I would say. It's like, you know, you can, you can start earlier. Like you don't have to be Denzel or Leo to freaking get an agent because there's only one Denzel and there's only one Leo. So you ain't going to ever be them, but you can be not so great. Cause I even look back on like my early auditions and like, <laughs> They leave something to be desired. You know what I mean? Like I look back on audition from last week, I still leave something. You know what I mean? It's like you can you're continually learning, but you can kind of earn while you learn. I think so. It's like don't necessarily wait until all your ducks are in a row and you feel like I'm so good now I can go. I don't know. I don't think that that's necessary. That's kind of was my mindset at once, and I don't think that that's quite accurate. I mean, don't don't get in. You ain't never you know been trained you have no clue what you're doing i think it's important to get some training but you know while you're training in class and and coaching and whatever it still doesn't exactly prepare you for being on a set yeah exactly auditioning is a whole whole different skill set and being on a set is a whole other different skill set so it's like being on a set is going to you got maybe you got really good at auditioning, really proficient, really whatever. You got really good in class, and then you get on a set, and it's like another thing. And you're like, Ugh. you know what I mean? But being on more sets, then you become more comfortable with that. So it's kind of like you have to have the time and the experience to sort of really improve at a thing. So that's why I say, you know, don't wait. At least don't wait as long as I did. Um, yeah. That, so that was a question. That was like a mistake. So so called mistake. And then you said, what, what was the next? I'm sorry. Kind of, Your biggest success. Um, I mean, it's, that's a, it's a tough one. I, if I would say something to like yield that it's like, let go of, let go of your ego and pride. 
Find people who have walked where you want to walk. And if you trust them, listen to them. You know, yeah. if, they, if they're willing to share, listen and swallow, swallow the ego. Cause I get it right. We, we want to defend our position. I see it all the time when I try to coach actors and you know what they say, if you spot it, you got it. So like, I used to have this, like, I would take direction as correction. So whenever somebody would give me a note, I'd be so busy defending why I did it my way. Cause in my head, I'm like, oh, wow, they think I'm a whack actor. They think I'm bad. So let me try to like logist, use logic to, 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 to defend. Oh, well, no, I, no, but I know what you said, but really the reason I did that is because like that used to be me at a time. But then it's like, okay, let's not do that. Let's just actually listen. And why don't I just actually try to incorporate the note that you just gave me? Like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Let me try that as opposed to trying to defend why I'm not going to do that because I, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think that that's, so listen. And it, it's not easy because we sensitive artists, you know, but yeah, listen, listen to folks who, who might know what they're talking about and just try not to let your ego get in the way. Thank you. Okay. Two more questions. Uh, when your friend Will came through the door when you were a kid in high school and said, you look like a model, has it turned out the way you thought it would your whole journey? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Never, <laughs> it's just like, it's so weird. You know what I mean? Like never could have predicted any of the, you know, at that point I never would have thought I would have actually modeled. It was like a, just a joke. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought I would have been in the military. I wouldn't have thought I was like making a living as an actor. Like so many things, it's just, you know, life is really a phenomenal thing. You know, I'm, I'm very yeah. fascinated by just how we live these li this life as humans. It's pretty, pretty awesome. And lastly, very last question. Why did you agree to this interview? Um... Let's think about an answer for that. I mean, well, the fact that you were doing it, I was going to say yes, regardless, right? You know, I, I'm a fan of yours. You're you're my castmate. I've always appreciated your work. I appreciate your energy bringing the set. So it's like, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to get to to do whatever you got to, whatever you were part of. I'm glad that, that you invited me to be a part of. So that was, you know, the first reason. It was like, okay, cool, Quay's doing it. Like, yeah, I'm in. Um, but then also, I, I, I feel like you you're you you have like an insightful kind of approach. You 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 have a curious mind, and you like to. You're not really a surface level person, you know. And I like to I like to be able to to go beneath the surface. And I felt like you know we'd have the chance to do a little bit of that. And as you can see, I like to I like to talk. So. <laughs> Maybe that's my ego coming through. <laughs> Mahdi, <laughs> Mahdi, thank you so much for rapping with me. It is truly an honor. I really think <clears throat> when I was crafting this, I was like, I got to get you on here. You are so smart. You're so career savvy. I'm wildly happy that you said yes to this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I appreciate the compliments. I, you know, I, I feel almost like inadequate to them, but I, I, 
I'll accept them and, and I'll receive them because they come from you. So thank you. And, um, you know, it's like I, I like I said, I'm a fan of yours. I'm, I'm very grateful to, you know, have the opportunity to work with you and, and get to know you. And thank you for for letting me be a part of this. And shouts out to you for creating this. This seems like a fantastic, you know, platform that you've created and you're having good conversations. And that's what that's really what it's all about. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, Series Regular. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Series Regular. Series Regular is created by me, Quaytan. It is a one-stop shop. I do the research, the producing, the interview itself, and the editing, which is so, so difficult. But I love it, and it is so rewarding. If you love this show and you want to see more of this show, join our community on patreon.com backslash series regular to keep us going and to keep us strong so I can bring more conversations with working actors and other people in our industry. Thank you so much. My name is Quay Tan and I will be seeing you on the regular series regular.